Hello, I'm Todd. And I'm Rich. And this is Big Screen Boogeyman Season 2, Nightmares on Elm Street. Uh, The uh, podcast where we do a deep dive on all the installments in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And this week or this time, we are doing Wes Craven's New Nightmare or New Nightmare, the 1994 film where Wes Craven comes back to rescue or destroy or at least do something with a Nightmare on Elm Street franchise after... (laughs) Uh, the mess which was Freddy's dead yeah I was told I was out I I was told that this was done this She looked in the camera, she broke the fourth wall and said, Freddy's dead. Yeah. And we were led to believe Freddy was dead, but nope, we're back. So today we are joined by two guests. Uh, So back from season one, you'll remember him from the Rob Zombie's Halloween 2 episode. If you uh, don't, then go back and listen to that. It's Matthew. Hey, Matthew, how's it going? I'm memorable. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. And uh, a new guest coming here. Our first international guest, yeah, Rich. We're going international. Big screen boogeyman international. Big screen boogeyman international from the future because it's Wednesday morning there in Australia. We have Jack. Welcome to the show, Jack. Hey, thank you for having me on the show. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, fan of the big. I'm a big fan of the big three franchises. I like watch them yearly. Probably like Todd in that way. Oh, nice. Yes, at least yearly. <laughs> yeah. So it then it's interesting. So it was interesting to rewatch this one because it's pro- this is the one I probably watched the least in the franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true for a lot of people, actually. It kind of went in a different direction. So that actually leads to our first question, which is, what is your general history with the franchise? You already kind of started to jump into that. So let me just let you expand on that a little bit, Jack. You said you watch this yearly. Is that true? Yeah. um, Well, I've probably been watching horror since I was a little kid. I definitely like the Friday the 13th and A Nightmare on Elm Street were like some of the first horror films I was exposed to. So yeah, um, I've been watching this for a the franchises for years and yeah i um, i actually just did a rewatch of the a nightmare on elm street franchise last year to review them on letterbox very nice very nice so then um well, that's great i'm glad to see it uh, hear your thoughts on this moving forward what about you matthew i know you're a big horror fan i indeed very much indubitably uh one might say uh <laughs> probably gonna repeat what i said in the h2 episode horror kid since i was a little child uh, since i can remember basically nightmare i think is like my least watched out of all of them i think out of the big three jason and michael it's my least favorite mm-hmm. but uh it's been like years since i've rewatched really most of them part four or five and freddy's dead so i might i'm thinking because i'm starting my friday 13th rewatch in the during the summer so i might pair that along with nightmare just because for old time's sake yeah absolutely but uh love this lovely franchise Nice. Yeah. Friday and um, Friday the 13th and New Nightmare. I mean, A Nightmare on Elm Street are good to do together because of the Freddy vs. Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I often do them together. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's get into then our general thoughts on this film. Rich, why don't we start with you? General thoughts on New Nightmare. So I think this is a writing of the franchise to a certain extent. To me, this film feels like it was studio execs saying to Wes Craven, hey, slashers don't 
don't work anymore. People have moved on. The audience is different. And we're seeing diminishing returns here. And I feel like this was Wes Craven saying back to them, I can show you how to do this effectively. I can use all the same gimmicks. I won't add anything that, that is an unfamiliar territory for this character, but I can make all the stuff that didn't work in the last couple pictures, I can make it work. And I think he used that to pivot his way into screen. Excellent. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. What about you? Let's go to uh, Matthew. What did you think about this film in general? Overall thoughts? Overall, I, I think it's always been in like my top three. Like, I think usually, I think to me, uh, what I hope would most people's be there contested is original Dream Warriors and this one. Well, I think this one deserves to be up there, but <laughs> that's personal opinion. But uh, I hadn't seen this since I literally probably like a decade. So this is a great rewatch for me because I realized this movie is pretty good. Mm -hmm. I fucking love this movie. I have a newfound love for it now because I mean, this goes into specifics, but I'll touch on it now. But I think I like its approach to meta horror more than Scream. Wow. I think this Big does it words. in a more in mm -hmm. interesting way. And I like I like it's way more. Interesting. So now, do you say that as fun. someone who thinks Scream is not good or someone who likes both out of curiosity? I, I like both. OK, I think I think Scream is a better movie in total, but I think I like the approach in New Nightmare more. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, we'll expand on that for sure. Jack, what did you think about this film overall? I've kind of have a love-hate relationship with this film because when I was younger and I kind of first watched it, I wasn't really that into it. I found the whole kind of meta plot and lack of Freddy kind of boring. Mm -hmm. But over the years of re-watching it with the Freddy films, and especially the recent few years um, when I've re-watched it, I've kind Kind of grown more of a enjoyment and fondness of it and kind of like i get the commentary that wes is trying to tell in this film sure and um yeah i and i definitely um have enjoyed this film more on the rewatches but it, it's still not like my favorite in the franchise i prefer like the more fun kind of like campy freddy slasher type horrors but i do enjoy it more sure Absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> not spoiling because at the end of the season or uh, yeah, at the end of this season, we're going to do our official rankings of uh, the top. But this is up there for me, um, although I do have films that are above it in the franchise for sure. I ended up liking this film a lot. I end up liking it a lot when I was a kid. So when I first saw it in the theaters, I thought, oh, this is kind of cool. Like, I like this. It's a little weird. I was into contrarian stuff. I liked the approach. It was nice. Well, watching this, you you noted that this feels like a kid's film. And yeah, I agree. Absolutely. And then the more I grow up, the more I'm like, oh, this is just a really charming horror film for children in a way, but yeah. like not in a condescending way in a it's just a great kind of gateway film for kids who are starting to get into horror as well, because with the exception of a couple parts, it's really not that scary. It's more kind of the psychology of it. And a lot of it's kids in danger sort of stuff. And I like this film a lot. Yeah. And we should talk about that just for a second at the top, why this film is so important. And, you know, normally we don't do this fourth question, but just any thoughts on this? Because for me, and then I'll transition to Rich, see what he has to say. For me, a lot of people think of it as before and after Scream as the demarcating point. I tend to like Scream better as a movie, but for me, the 90s is about before and after New Nightmare. And I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this? My thoughts are that this film sits at a very specific juncture. There are a lot of American families where parents will take less exception to a 
horror movie that has violence than they would about like sex, drugs, uh, rock and roll, things that might upset them more in real life versus things that they can compartmentalize as this is absolute fantasy. And I think that this is a film that plays to that sense. And I've said this before, I think that horror appreciation is something that usually starts in childhood or sometimes just doesn't happen at all. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thoughts on the importance of this film in general, since I know you're both kind of horror buffs. Let's start with you, Jack. Yeah, I think the early 90s is probably my uh, my least favorite films in the big three franchises like Halloween 6 and Jason Goes to Hell and Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. I think this film kind of is an interesting commentary on how like trashy franchises got and kind of Wes's way of classing up the joint. (laughs) Not with that new Freddy hat. (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Matt? Or Matthew? Uh, Sorry. Both work. They're both mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm fine. You didn't hurt me in any way. I have a friend Uh, who, if you call him Mike, he looks at you like you punched him because he's Michael. So that I get get a little (laughs) sensitive. So anyway, what were your thoughts on uh, the kind of the importance of this? Like where you think about this in terms of horror trends of the time? I think it, it sets up a lot of groundwork that Kevin Williamson and Craven would kind of basically finish with Scream. And it, it's a fucking shame because like this movie fucking bombed. It's like the worst. It's, I think it was like the it's still the worst performing nightmare movie. I'm not sure how much the fucking remake made, but yeah, the remake it probably even used to be any like this wasn't even on print on DVD for so many years in Australia. Like I had to like get it on eBay and <laughs> they, then they um they released like it on DVD like five years ago here. Finally, I, was yeah, say, it, I definitely it, got my DVD copy of this from a like five dollar bin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, shall we jump in, gentlemen? Yeah, yeah, let's go yeah, into it. So we start. start with this. It's kind of what I'm going to call the workshop misdirect. Yeah, no credits this time. No credits. Not Fuck like a normal credits. thing. Yeah, forget about credits. We're post credits. Yeah. Wes Craven wants era. to jump right into it. Yeah, he, modern. he jumps right into it with kind of a misdirect, right? Yeah. Like it's like, you know, an homage to the first film where you're seeing Freddy set up, you know, that thing. But we see this new glove being constructed by someone who, you know, ostensibly is Freddy. Yeah. yeah. Well, this movie is designed to work on its own as a self-contained piece. Yeah. But it is so filled with nods to the other movies that it, there is a new level of appreciation if you're familiar with the previous movies. Exactly. Like, I think you can watch a film like Solo as much as I'll defend Solo sometimes. And you can say like, oh, I see that that's fan service, even if you don't know anything about yeah. Star Wars. Like, you can tell the parts where it breaks and kind of winks at the crowd. Where what's kind of interesting about this film is that there are tons of winks to the crowd, but they're really not that like over the top in your yeah. face. They're just kind of like, no, you, you either get it or you don't, yeah. but it's kind of entertaining on its own anyway. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, guys? I think the winks serve a narrative purpose. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're not just there. They're Secondarily, they're there for like, it was in the original. Like, I think the moment I can think of is during the finale when she's like uh, getting on the steps to like the oven area and it does like the marshmallow stairs thing. She mm-hmm. like trips in there and it gets all gooey. Yep. It's like literally from the first movie, but it's like narratively, that's like, that would make sense. That makes sense for that to be there. It works to slow her down and it just like, and also callback and also just uh, general senses like ready appearing through a thin spandex like sheet <laughs> when, when he goes in the first movie over the wall, over the bed. He also does that several times in this movie. It's just, it's good. I I like it. I think, I don't think they, uh, they distract. It's just, it's more like a, that's fun. And then it serves a narrative purpose. I just so, got thumbs up. I can just picture Wes Craven talking to like James Cameron and James Cameron's explaining this like $3 million effect and Wes Craven's like, ah, oh, I use a sheet. Yeah. Like I... <laughs> 
Hey, at least it's it's a specific Freddy sheet. That's sure, the Freddy sheet. It's a Freddy sheet. Uh, in, in terms of this opening thing, we we have that uh, it looks like Freddy, but it's really a movie scene. Uh, any thoughts on this kind of like opening scene before we dive into it a little bit, Jack? Yeah, I really um, enjoyed this opening scene. I think it really kind of puts you into the mood of the weirdness of where this movie is going. Like it jumps straight into the meta plot yep. of it. Like, oh, they're making a Freddy movie and they got Heather, the original um, actress back playing Nancy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was, it was really a fun opening. So we set up these characters. We set up Heather Langenkamp, who I had by far the biggest crush on of everyone. A lot of people were Jamie Lee Curtis. Nope. Yeah. For me, it's Heather Langenkamp. No, no. Uh, I, I'm with you on that. I okay, yeah. I'm a Jamie Lee Curtis fan. I still love her a lot. That's fair. I always saw, I always saw Jamie Lee Curtis connected to my mother because like, she was a Jamie Lee Curtis fan. So I was like, <laughs> I'll just choose Langenkamp. <laughs> But so then even though like yeah. Jamie Lee is mostly known for horror and she's great in horror, but I think she really does well in comedies as well. Like, sure, sure, sure. She doesn't get enough recognition for her comedies, which I think she does a good job. Oh, if we're talking better overall actress, probably Jamie Lee Curtis. I'm just yeah. kind of tr- politely saying I had a major crush on Heather Langenkamp growing up, and I, I really love her in this role. I just think she's meant for this role. And so we see Heather Langenkamp with her husband, with a son who is Gage from Pet Cemetery. Yeah, uh, but like a less a less creepy, more cutified, yeah. basically. Well, gate. for now, for now, at no, least. Like, I was just gonna say that's like first note I made from the scene when the kid comes in. Like, why is this kid so creepy? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he's 90% of his screen time is just him being really creepy. Well, he doesn't feel like he belongs there. He It feels unintentionally creepy. So like, I, I'll get this out of the way. I think this kid, I hate shitting on kid actors. I just don't think he's right for this role. Like, and I get why they cast him based on Pet Cemetery, but like the whole time I'm just thinking like, you are just not right for this particular role. Any thoughts on uh, Gage Golightly? That's not who this is. Uh, Gage from Pet Cemetery being in uh, this film rich so yeah this is miko hughes this mm-hmm. this was a go-to child actor for your your mid-90s horror movie he was or, in full house too. yeah yeah but you guys are you're you're burying an important lead here we've we've made a substantial change to freddy in this opening scene we now have the thumb raiser thumb it will raiser. never come back into the rest of this movie it will always <laughs> be there it will never do anything <laughs> Rich's like cinema sins tingles like went insane for this particular point though. Like there are yeah. only four slashes in any of the Freddy wounds, and they they want to the hassle of adding this fifth blade. It's it a real problem. Nothing. It's a real well, problem. When you slash with your hand. Yeah, it's hard. Look, don't you tell me how to <laughs> slash with your hand. I'm just saying. <laughs> I tried to demonstrate it to Rich, but he didn't buy it. No. Then there should okay. be like a little side slash from where he hooked the thumb. Well, so anyway, this hand goes nuts and kills these two actors, and it's a great way to start a film, I yeah. think, uh, personally. I, yeah. I think that this is some of the strongest stuff in this movie, is this opening scene, because uh, shit hits I the fan immediately. Say, I think the opening is probably one of my favorite scenes, just like watching this hand go nuts, and mm-hmm. it had some pretty good gory death scenes, just like straight in the opening. Yeah, no, I'll agree. I like this. My favorite scene might be the scene with Wes Craven, 
forgiven for for some weird reason but we'll we'll get to that i will also um, be honest mm-hmm. i have seen this scene a lot because this, yeah. this movie would get played on television a lot and since it comes in with a completely cold open the way that it does you don't know that you're watching a freddy movie <laughs> and until there's razor hands on the workbench absolutely so wait so moving us ahead so we get this wake up earthquake so uh nancy wakes up because yeah. uh of an earthquake drink every time nancy wakes up for those of drink you every know. earthquake drink Shit. every earthquake drink every time nancy wakes up and uh, don't drink of, during any of this stuff we are not legally liable for you well of course <laughs> i meant pop but like yeah like uh but it it happens so often so she wakes up from an earthquake that's a double sip yeah you know we just see her family in real life and we we yeah. get introduced to this kind of dream world i don't think there's much to talk about there we jump to a scene in the kitchen as always matt and jack if you think i'm missing something major feel free to jump in but we jump to this kitchen scene heather's nervous and her husband says there hasn't been another phone call has there yeah my note on this is just mansplaining (laughs) i was kind of curious about that because i remember reading trivia about the the actress who played alice in the first friday the 13th film had like a stalker i think that's Mm. why she only came back for a small role in the second one oh yeah i was wondering if west based it on that or not i was curious but i'm not sure well i wouldn't be surprised because part of this movie is like message or part of the movie is literally just about like how horror movies are kind of like marketed to like children Mm -hmm. and like to impressionable people and sometimes the people that it's marketed to are a little on edge yes yeah yeah it kind of plays with that I mean, I would stalk Jamie Lee Curtis 100%. <laughs> Jamie, if you're listening, that was not right. We are joking. We are joking. Uh, but yes, uh, so, yeah, she to- she's, she's, so she tells Jake about the dream and Jake just kind of is like, oh, you yeah. silly woman. Uh, and kind of... Uh, <laughs> It's like, you're fine. Yeah. You're fine. Now, to be fair, she's she's spouting some pretty crazy stuff at, yeah. the, at this particular point. And so and then we go straight to romance. We go. Do we? Yeah. Like they immediately then start kissing. And like, then he's like, oh, I got to go to work. Oh, that's right. OK, because the next thing I saw I had was Nancy sees scrapes in the wall. Yeah. The Freddy quake and finds. Yeah. yeah, yeah and finds Dylan watching a nightmare on Elm Street. Which, how many slashes are there in the Freddy quake? All right. Drink every time Rich mentions how many slashes there are. Um, but and nothing, any any thoughts on that? We see up anything up until when uh, she gets this phone call. Because she gets another phone call where it's like one, two, Freddy's coming. You know, you've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I think she, um, from like soon, from the first scene when she woke up, she just seemed like tense and paranoid throughout the entire film that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. So like she could sense that like, you know, something things going wrong is going on i don't know i don't get the note i wrote down i felt like her entire performance she was always like stressed out and and panicking and feeling like like something was wrong like freddie was coming to get her yeah it does a good job with the whole paranoia aspect i think and i think heather langenkamp does a good job i go on record i don't understand why she didn't get more acting jobs but like because she's i mean she's got a great like she's got a unique look she's a good actress anyway but like uh we go through the 
this this kitchen scene and then Julie shows up the babysitter um, and we get the call from the limousine company but any thoughts on Julie just as a character well before um, oh I was just gonna say like I thought I think she's okay like she doesn't do a bad job um, sometimes she was a little bit annoying though <laughs> she felt very intrusive like she's always trying to know Heather's business like I'm like why do you why would a babysitter care so much about their employees like personal business I don't know I felt like that was weird I will say this as a parent and I think in LA for a lot of actors it's like babysitter slash minor personal assistants you know what I mean so I think that's how they get involved in their lives probably but like as a parent I was like 99% impressed with her as a babysitter I was like this is a pretty damn good oh. babysitter actually yeah. I want a she babysitter that's gonna punch a fucking nurse yeah it's a first <laughs> call like, babysitter not a third call babysitter like, yeah that's a first call like late later on in the film like when she's trying to get into the hospital to see um dylan like she's committed absolutely absolutely so any thoughts on julie matt i enjoy her character she's... i don't really have any specific notes no that's completely fine so we get this call from the limousine company she yells at the limousine company yeah. which is a great little moment and then we get to the limo ride unless you got something else rich right off the bat the heather dylan stuff we're seeing wes revamp the idea from nightmare five the dream child yep and mm -hmm. it's this fear of being a bad parent of of letting your kid down it will be toyed with for the entire rest of this film i think this is him taking that spot and and blowing it up and and that's why we have dylan absolutely i will say one thing that i didn't feel bad for her like going off at the limo driver because he kind of seemed like a douchebag i don't know <laughs> well yeah nobody talks before. to somebody like that <laughs> Yeah, that limo driver. So let's get to the limo ride. The driver's talking about her films and he's kind of a jerk. And I love, even though like sometimes I'm like, eh, whatever. I love, I love moments where directors or people who are important in popular culture shit on fans. Like, I just think they're interesting no matter what. And it's just funny to think like of all the sleazy interactions celebrities probably have to have. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this on a daily oh, basis. Yeah. 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 And we, like only I half remembers her. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, you the blood. <laughs> from the bed and it's like that was not her role at all sir <laughs> i thought it was really funny when he's like talking to her and she just like puts the window up just to shut him up yeah she doesn't want to talk about it so we get to the oh. interview on the show we can we can move there and she's on the show and she's getting interviewed by this pretty intense guy that seems kind of funny because that guy is it just seems like this normal sleazy yeah. show but it's a great point to introduce she she's kind of showing how she's paranoid a little bit he's yeah. asking her questions and i for some reason the question would you let robert england watch your son and how yeah they even write into the script i don't know <laughs> well and they're, they're sitting there in front of this like really weird plastic plant and you're in front of a crowd of like kids wearing freddy masks and th this is wes acknowledging that like these slasher movies are are watched by kids like that's the primary audience I mean, there was some really young kids in the audience too like kids that probably shouldn't be watching those films at that age even though I did. Yeah. I, but that's that's all of us. All of us were not supposed to be watching this movie and that's where this sort of genre hooks people. They're like cigarettes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like my childhood's kind of different because my parents weren't strict about what I watched. Mm -hmm. I kind of got into horror just through my brother who loved them as well. So For me, um, it was I my older really cousins. Like, so yeah, I th yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's when my... But I didn't have strict parents so I didn't have that kind of rebellious need 
to see movies horror movies it's just kind of uh love that kind of grew naturally mm, absolutely so we get the interview on stage and then robert england shows up and yeah. i don't robert england rich and i were taught rich and i had a robert england versus jeffrey combs conversation yeah. where we both went i can reveal your vote right yeah we both went jeffrey combs but it was it was a little discussion but robert england's one of those people when you see him in a movie you just i don't yeah. i just always smile a little bit i He's don't know always playing robert england yeah <laughs> So Robert England shows up as Freddie goes out in the audience, says some Freddie phrases, and it's this real kind of like disorienting scene that's kind of strange. Any thoughts on that, Rich? I think that this was a good Robert England doing the Robert England. Thing. Like he is, sure. you know, in the, the roles that he plays, even outside of this, he is a like boo to the camera sort of sure. actor. This little scene kind of plays out as him kind of acknowledging himself and his personality, but laughing at the joke. Angry. Mm-hmm. Matt, any thoughts yeah. on that? I think it's a fair interesting scene because this like it's like what is it like a five minute scene and you could literally write like a whole essay based on like the implications of the scene and what it's talking about because yep. it's it's the whole like the uh, I'm not sure just the uh, sensationalization of like a child murderer mm-hmm. fictional serial killer yeah. and like these like kids that this character would canonically murder are celebrating him and that's <laughs> weird and Heather is like the whole movie is like basically Heather Lane can like struggling with her like legacy as like someone who has kids having this career that's mostly like if you like her filmography is mainly horror movies right and like her big stuff is the nightmare stuff however a funny little thing it looks like she was in a tv movie about tanya harding and nancy kerrigan oh she would be a perfect nancy kerrigan i can see that i can totally where dan schneider was in it too oh no (laughs) (laughs) no sorry okay the the note that i had for for freddie in the uh the interview is that this is Robert England in his 17th minute of fame. Yes, Robert England's he's doing it though. He um, but like there's this great part at the end where I, I dissected the scene every time I see it. We we transition to Robert England is doing is giving uh, autographs to yeah. all these people while Heather Langenkamp's waiting in the other room. I used to think that meant Heather Langenkamp they didn't want to give her autographs, but no, it means like that Heather Langenkamp was like I'm kind of over autographs yeah. and like Robert England's like I'm still into him baby yeah. <laughs> i mean he's he's got like his like purple sunglasses and he's rocking That's the it vibe i got too from the scene like heather just seems like she just doesn't want to be here she wants to put this part of her career behind her and robert england just comes out and he's just embracing like this is my fame yeah this is who i am i'm freddy krueger what i'm best known for and i'm just gonna make the best of it and embrace that no one's gonna come up to him saying hey you were buck and eaten alive i loved well. you even though i would i would totally <laughs> say i loved you and literally everything I loved Toby you as a professor in Urban Legends. You were great in that. You were great. You were great in Urban Legends. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> so we transition to, there's this long shot. You can tell that like they gave Wes almost complete creative control of this. Bob Shea probably, so interf- probably interfered a little bit, but there's so many indulgent scenes here that you can tell that like he didn't get to interfere yeah. the way he maybe like wanted, like always wanted to. Cause That's because this- Wes went through his house. He's like, oh, this is a lovely pool. Thanks to me. Yeah. Like, it's a lovely <laughs> staircase. <laughs> Wes Craven can really look Bob Shea in the eye and say, you fucking owe me. Yeah. You owe me a film where I get to do whatever the hell I want. And yeah, we get this big long shot where she gets, it ends with her getting a call from the studio exec, which leads to the Bob Shea discussion and leads to one of my things, which I love, which is I love that there are so many people from the franchise playing themselves who came back to do this movie. Like mm-hmm. Tuesday nights in there, the guy who yeah. I, I can't remember his name, I, but like Bobby, I think I from the first film. Yeah. Or, 
of I actually made note of all the cameos of the people I saw at the funeral scene um I can't pronounce the the guy who played one of the guys in the first film but yeah like yeah. he was there as well and that absolutely yeah. like the, like well, the person she made notes on that scene I'll see if I can pronounce his name sure like, the yeah. person she meets at the office Sarah is like literally a producer of the nightmare series I know so it's so great yeah <laughs> and Lin Shay even makes a little cameo like she did in the first film oh yeah yeah, yeah. Also, the dude who played oh fuck what's his name like Tina's boyfriend I can't remember his name yeah like, that's the guy that dude, I was trying to pronounce his name but I'm like I don't know how to pronounce that I mean mm-hmm. 10 years after the first movie he did not age a fucking day no he doesn't look like, very different like Heather but wait hold on let's get to that when we get to the to the funeral hold on though we get to this Bob Shea discussion and Bob Shea loves to insert himself in these films and you yeah. can tell that he's so freaking excited to be there and he pitches her you know like a new film yeah. right yeah and uh yeah we we then also established that he is afraid of the phone as well yes and and this yeah. this led to a tangent conversation that todd and i had watching this which is that caller id came out in 1988 and heather <laughs> langenkamp was a movie star so she was just cheap she, if, if you're <laughs> You get, yeah, you, you spend you the money. Movie? Yeah, you do it. You spend the money. You spend that extra cash. Like, I don't want a victim blame here, but sanity was just like eight ninety nine away. There were steps that could have been taken. That's all we're saying. Yeah, there were steps that could have been taken. But so we get to Wes Craven's having nightmares is what Bob Shea, Bob Shea says. She asks if funny things are happening and the phone rings and he establishes that fear. Then it comes home. And when she comes home, she finds Dylan freaking out. And this is... One of the many, like, Dylan's having trouble, she takes care of him scenes. Yeah. If I have yeah. any general problem with this film, it's that I wish it was somehow, like, eight minutes shorter. You yeah. know what I mean? And I feel like it could be done with a healthy edit of some of the mom-kid yeah. interactions. Um, there are scenes that... that yeah, go ahead, Jack. I didn't think the kid actor was that good of an actor. Like, No. <laughs> I don't know. He was kind of weird. Like, no. No, he's and he, he was creepy. Like, he was creepy but like i didn't think it was great yeah it's a it's it's not the best performance he he belongs on like full house yeah. he belongs yeah, in like, like cutesy positions one two freddy's coming for you i don't know that was just weird sure well a lot of these scenes they they feel like scenes that were put there so you had a spot to to go run and get a popcorn or go to the bathroom right yeah it's true and that was definitely one of them so it's like what this this franchise <laughs> was 90 minutes the entire way and this was almost two hours wow yeah it was way too long yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was one of my um, negatives is that I just felt like it was too long although most of the scenes this is my thing with this film that I described most of the scenes I end up liking it's just that like some of the it just the film overall feels a little long I don't know yeah but generally I think that's why I yeah. didn't like it when I first watched it because I just felt like it went dragged on a bit it just had some too many slow scenes lack of Freddy kind of thing Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think about that, Matt? The pacing and the editing? I mean, I watched this when I was a kid. I don't remember feeling the length as a kid, and I don't feel it necessarily today. I think this movie is is paced fairly well, and I like the length. I think it's good what it is, but, you know, it's just two inches on. I'm perfectly cool with it. I'm in the middle on this, but, like, I do think a little bit could be cut. But as I said, though, I, I don't really have a scene I want cut. So she is coming home. Stuffed animal gets all yeah. torn up. And Rex you can, is cut up. Yeah, Rex is cut up, and you can tell she's starting to lose it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rich just showed me four fingers. Uh, so you can tell that Nancy Star know that uh, Heather's starting to lose it because yeah. the son asks, is she dead? And there's this great part where she goes like, no, Rex is not going to die. Yeah. And she <laughs> says... <laughs> Did y'all like that? I was just going to start giving Rex CPR right there. <laughs> We're not going to lose him. Uh, the Bear ambulance is right outside. It's a conviction. I agree. If she... the child thinks she, it's going to die, then she's going to make sure that she lets the kid know. Question. Question on the repair of Rex. <laughs> Who the hell uses red thread for that? It looks cool. Plus the red and green. It looks cool, but it looks like he never stopped bleeding. Oh, the red That's and cool. green, though. That is cool. Uh, uh, he just doesn't stop bleeding. That's we might cool. have a good answer to this one. Let's see. <laughs> So she, Look, Julie would know better. <laughs> We're gonna have red to green is, babysit a point for that. Red and green is on the witch's socks in the Hansel Incredible. It's everywhere in this movie. That would be my Yelp Another review. Example. If you can Yelp review babysitters, that would be my Yelp review. Red thread, question yeah. mark, four and a half stars. Scathing. So she reads Dylan a book. She reads Hansel and Gretel. She reads it to me because um, she won't let her son watch A Nightmare on Elm Street, but she reads him like this really violent, grim brother's tale. Well, That's she, the irony. Every Everyone reads their kids' fairy tales and shows them the Disney movies. I do agree. There is this kind of like funniness to it in that like we'll read these really messed up books to our also, kids. I can identify over, with that as a parent. Yeah. You, you skipped over the little phone call that she has with her husband where he's like, those two guys didn't come into work today. That's weird. Anyway. Oh, right. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so and then uh, so, yeah, they are gone. Those two guys. We know what happens to them. We'll get to that in a minute. Sewn up Rex is under the cover and then they talk about kind of talks about Freddie while they're under the covers. Yeah, and yeah. we established that Rex is the dream guard. Rex is the dream he, guard. He is the dream warrior. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, I, I like that. cute idea. I liked it. Like, yeah. Kind of childhood imagination. I, like, I used to be terrified of someone being under my bed. I used to check under my bed. I love how that it taps into that like uh, kind of safety that going under your blanket feels like when you're a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. that. It's a, it's a neat idea. I love that Nancy goes under there and I love that it gets how it gets paid off, which we'll get to. Uh, so Jake is driving home and he's struggling to stay awake and he's singing. Jake? I think uh, Chase. Chase? Is that his name? Yeah, it, his name is Chase. Um, okay, Chase. Sorry, my bad. Chase is driving home. Well, it's not going to matter much longer anyway. Uh, yeah, Chase is driving home. He's struggling he's to stay awake. R.E.M. And he's singing R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion, <laughs> the worst version. It's almost such a bad version of Losing My Religion that it's like, do you even have to pay a cop like do you have to pay rates for that like well like yeah i thought that just, was an interesting choice for a song i don't know i wanted to know why he they picked that song yeah i think it was just they chose the band because of the name and then just picked like their most famous song at the time i guess i think that's yeah. probably what happened right it's just kind of like <laughs> the the the, the guy singing like, it hey, is funny wes craven took sleep. that fact uh -huh. to his grave that he did and then we get to if we know that wes craven if you're a big longtime fan and you know that Wes Craven loves having things come out in people's crotches. Yeah. And yeah, so every, everyone's fair. Yeah. 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 So it's still more restrained than Sam Raimi. Still more. <laughs> Yeah, of course. But yeah, still more restrained than Sam Raimi. Um, but he, you know, he he's manipulated yeah. this before, right? This is the first time he's done something like this. And we start to see the hand come up and eventually. Well, we're also, we're recreating. There have been, you know, the falling asleep driving the truck. Sure. What was that? Two yeah. films that ago? That was uh, five. Yeah. Yeah. That's when yeah. that happens to Dan. It's, I knew it's, is it four or five? It's five. Yeah. yeah. It five. Dan yeah. definitely I has to be in five, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 
I felt like this scene, I wasn't sure if the scene was kind of like paying an homage to that scene in five with the, like when he's on the motorbike and he, that death scene in that film, because it kind of felt similar. Knowing how Wes Craven feels, I don't know if you would use the word homage as like yeah. F you. It's more like when you paint on somebody else's like piece of graffiti. Yeah, I think like in part, like he was probably like, I'll come back to show you that I would have yeah. done this better. Like, because I think yeah. you, you really get the sense that there's a Bob Shea, Wes Craven, like mutual friendship. Respect. Yeah, yeah. Mutual respect, but some problem in terms of how they, they viewed the things creatively. He, he doesn't make Chase Ghost Rider, though. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't I make him to like a skull. The death scene in five, I will say, was I like that more than what they did in this one, though. Like that was a lot cooler. Interesting. Interesting. Well, yeah. Really, it's two different approaches. Yeah, they are two guess. very different approaches because this was just trying to go for like that slash thriller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the yeah, psychological. Yeah. But it's interesting. So no one likes seeing weapons near your private parts. Like that's always very cringy. <laughs> Don't you kink shame me? <laughs> hey, if that's what you're into, that's what you're into. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, that it, it would scare I'm most people. Stop. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, so we get to the hospital morgue. Oh, uh, no, sorry. Uh, uh, the crash occurs and that wakes up Heather. So we don't know if it's a dream or not. Yeah. And then the this is then we do. Yeah. Then we do, which is that um, the police show up and we get this scene. And all of these scenes just last a little too yeah, long. Yeah. Just get yeah, on with it. The vertigo shot was cool because I felt like I got very TV movie 90s editing from most of this film, but I thought that shot was really well done. Sure. Sure. No. I mean, I think there are a couple. I, I get what you're saying. Some of it looks pretty basic. I think that's a product of the time and like the budget. His lighting was pretty flat in this one as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would agree yeah, with that. But that one stood out. Sure. It sure. is. A, there is a funny cut when like she's talking to the police and it just cuts to the kid standing in like a corner for like a second. <laughs> And it cuts back. Oh, wow. Absolutely. So let's go to the hospital morgue because she goes to the hospital morgue. She's crying. She has to see the body. They they cover up that little part. She has to see the body more. And then she pulls down uh, the sheet and she sees that they've got the Freddy marks. And there are how many marks? There are four. There are four. <laughs> the thumb yet again didn't make it. Well, and also, as the wound is out, very yeah. different. Like, yeah. it was a stab in, in the scene that we got. This was clearly like one rake. And that's when I tuned out on the whole movie. Yeah. I'm just sure. kidding. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, what were you saying, Matt? Wait, let, hold on, Matt. I had to like blame it on the car crash, but like there's no way a car crash would just have four neat marks down your chest. Sure. And it makes so little sense, right? The way that the guy's responding to it. Wait, what were you saying, Matt? Uh, the demon's not very consistent. We can all agree on that, but no. they're doing their best. Look, we know. can't just hand wave everything because he's a demon. <laughs> I did do that a lot. Rich was asking a lot of questions and I was like, I don't know. He's a demon yeah. he <laughs> he does he does what he wants so we get to the funeral and everyone is freaking there but we also have that melodramatic line sometimes it's what we don't see that gets us through the night oh, oh yes <laughs> yes we do and he says yeah. that's why we don't lift the sheet past the face yeah <laughs> i mean i didn't think his his body wasn't that badly damaged but i think it was mostly just he had claw marks down his chest yeah, yeah, yeah. so they're at the funeral scene there's like the guy that's like i think yeah, i think he's lowering the casket yeah i believe in the cast his name is beans morocco love it i love it it's a great name that guy <laughs> I, i'm going to beans morocco's party i like it <laughs> so we get to the funeral everyone's there and we get a hurricane earthquake yeah which affects springfield ohio yeah almost exclusively. with all those 
palm trees. Yeah. Oh no, or no, this is supposed to be uh this is LA. We we are actually in LA this time. Oh, you're right, you're right. We are in LA. Yeah. Sorry, but that that is entirely my bad. But so we get a uh we get a hurricane earthquake, which yeah. obviously affect LA all the time. I like the actual choice to do that weird wind thing. I just think it's kind of spooky and I it think it's kind of funny and hot. Like Star Trek original series. Oh, F you, <laughs> because you know that that just makes me want to say like, yes, it does. And of course that means it's good. Anything that sticks out to you on the funeral scene, Matt? I think I like it because I mean, it, it goes a whole with the whole meta commentary because like the whole like the film is bleeding into the reality. I think this is the point in the movie where it starts to become more and more like the original film. And I think that's yeah. very cool. I, I like that a lot. I like the slow kind of transition into it. Yeah. Becoming that full film. I don't, I don't know. It's interesting to me. There's that part where, you know, the the body or no, uh, the the wind blows over the casket and then she jumps in yeah. to get it. And then well, she sees she sees Dylan being dragged down by Freddy, that's which is right. interesting. Is that like his that's like her first seeing of this new one? Yeah, uh, which I think is an interesting place. You also have the corpse attack, the stay with me from Chase. Yes. Yes. You can tell Freddy's like different. Like you can tell it's not the what Freddy went normal to. It's a bit a bit different yeah. kind yeah. of look and a bit darker. So this is our first look. What did you think of Freddy overall? Let's start with Rich because I he he's he's, I, he's in on this. I think that this iteration of Freddy looks like he stumbled into a couple mall stores and tried to reinvent himself for the next year at school. <laughs> Like the, the we're, we're not to the scene where it's particularly egregious, but later on when he's in the green hat and the leather pants, try and defend that. Just try. He's going, he's doing glamour shots. Yeah. yeah. The demon likes it. The de- <laughs> Your demon one more goddamn time. Demon rich. He's a demon. He's not Freddy. All right. uh, during the funeral, you also have that, that scene of like Wes Craven just looking around that felt like it would be perfect for the, the curb your enthusiasm music underneath. <laughs> liked how when John Saxon came into it, even though that Heather and him were just friends, they still kind of, he was kind of like, had that father figure vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah. kind of there for her. Mm-hmm. And they had I, that feel like that, I feel like that carried over. It was neat. It works. It doesn't make sense if you think about it, but John Saxon kind of sells it because yeah. he's a pretty decent character. You know, he's a pretty good character actor. And so mm-hmm. he's, he sells it, but the more you think about it, you're like, why the hell is she still hanging out with this guy? But they did take not his seem advice. like they would be friends in real life. Exactly. Exactly. It, it did work well, in this film. You it, never know, like, on-set experiences, because I imagine yeah. on the set of the first film, they were very close, and I imagine third film, similar thing. Sure. Yeah. Oh, he, he, that's right. I don't know. Do I buy it? I guess I buy it. I, I, I guess I buy that it's possible. It just, you know, it's one of those things that it's just it's just kind of unusual, but you let it go, and you yeah. don't think about it uh, At the least, too much. it's convenient. At the very least, it's convenient, yes. But, uh, yeah, that's fair. So we get to... Play Heather wakes up, finds Dylan watching the movie again. He freaks when she turns it off and then starts singing the Freddy song. Oh, so yeah, before we jump to the playground, let's just honor Miko for doing that gigantic scream when Heather turns off the, uh, do you remember this scream? Yeah. Either of you? Um, I think so. <laughs> when, when she basically turns it off and he like, you can tell that they were just like, just scream yeah. as long as you can. And you can tell that he's like thinking about it and it's so awkward. He's just not the right actor for this but yeah. he screams this, this long scene? scream oh, sorry was this the scene where he had like the knife behind his fingers and thought he was going to kill mm-hmm. her and that's I, later and i felt no it's that. a little later a rewatch and i thought oh, oh my god the kid's gone psycho and then it was like <laughs> oh it's just a dream. that's when uh, the kid asks why does god let there be bad things 
and then she says something, but that transitions to uh, this or playground it, scene. It, it's like, uh, do you have to be dead to meet God? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have to be dead to meet God? And so like you have to pray. It sets up this idea, which leads to the playground, which it's like, I guess that John Saxon just became Heather Langenkamp's like confidant and dad figure in yeah. L.A. Well, sure. Yeah. So let's buy it. They they dig into it. Those two are chatting on a playground while they're not this. watching this kid that closely, which is fair because the kid's old enough to at least be distracted a little bit. Well, you know what I mean? They're playing on this playground, but uh, they're talking about mental illness. And then we get to this. Great, I think it's a great scene, actually, where he starts to climb up to the top. Your thoughts on this scene, Rich? This kid is Damien from The Omen. That's what it just reminded me of in this scene. <laughs> he is Damien from The Omen. Rich, I don't really have a problem with this scene. I just don't think it does much. It's a I big stunt. Like one on one between Heather and John, I thought that was a nice kind of bonding scene between them. It works, but my entire argument is this. You do not really need to sell that a mother cares about her child. That's a, a thing that we just generally will assume with the plot. The same with like spouses caring about each other. Like families being interconnected is not a radical idea to process. It's fair if you well you're because you're basing it into the idea of needing to cut the film a little bit, which yeah. obviously so Matthew doesn't think it needs to be cut, which is fine. I'm in the middle on this. I I would think like I like this scene though. I wouldn't want to cut it for some I, reason. I don't yeah. dislike the scene. This is one of those spots where I catch myself like looking at my phone. What do you think about I, Miko at uh, uh, Matt Matthew? What do you think about Miko on the top of uh, the rocket reaching up to God? I think this scene works really well because I don't think it just necessarily establishes just like reiterates the mother child dynamic. I think it more like hones in on like because Heather like expresses like I'm afraid that like whatever madness I have in my family is going to be passed down onto him. And I don't want him to basically be, be afflicted by that. I want him to yeah. have as happy a happy life as he can be. I don't want my shit to be passed down to him. And that kind of goes along with her horror movie career and the whole like Freddy Demon thing. And then like the kid's like obviously not okay. He's reaching up to God. Who does that on a yeah, rocket? Yeah, I agree with Matt. Like I do think that's a pretty cool like kind of dynamic where she's fearing like passing on mental illness down to her son and it connecting to that. But I also felt like if that kid falls, it's his own damn fault and I don't feel sorry for him. <laughs> <laughs> Take some I responsibility, see... kid. This is not Sorry, a Pixar movie. Crap out of me in horror films. I'm not a big fan of kids in horror films because they're always doing stupid things. Yeah, yeah. I, I fully agree. So we go to the home, and she receives a burnt letter and adds it to the a, drawer. A, a, a the, literal burnt a letter. A literal burnt. Yeah. Not a like what? a no. Sorry, not a burnt up letter written to her. Like a, a letter, letter yeah. of the alphabet burnt up I a little bit. It was weird that one she kept them and she just had them in randomly in a drawer where her son could just easily find them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why? But she was already well, answering the fucking phone. Like <laughs> At this point, she's starting to lose a little. She, uh, Heather's going bye-bye a little bit. So that's the least of my concerns. I'm worried about, like, I'm worried about her overall, yeah. but I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> but, um, so she calls Rob England, who you can tell understands what she's talking about. This scene narratively could literally just be cut out of the movie, yeah. and it would make no difference but i love seeing robert england so i don't care but it's kind of it's it's you have so many of these scenes where it's like characters that are like essentially like pretending that they don't know who freddie is or what these movies were about sure and you got to keep the west craven one in in my opinion matt your thoughts on this it's fun to see rob england right of course 
course. I yeah. love Rob England. He's a great, fun little little actor guy. Do you I love like... him enough to watch Choose or Die? Oh God, I can. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I literally just watched Choose or Die, and I'm still upset that I wasted my time watching that film. Oh, see, especially because he wasn't even in it, as far as I knew. Like he just did like a voice, I think. Oh no. <laughs> see, I'm so weird. Hearing the more people hate this film, the more I like. I'm like, well, I have to watch this obviously all right i won't advise that but <laughs> fair enough so we get to we see robert england's painting we realize that he's acting a little bit crazy you know that's about it heather sleeping this is where the the silverware glove yes in. yes so she wakes up dylan's in the kitchen we see a more biological uh, biological version of freddie's hand appears and like and i put dot 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 wakes up oh that's what wakes up heather is yeah. that she sees the the bio that like weird freddie hand she goes to the kitchen and tr uh, Dylan tries to attack her is what I have written. What do we think about this scene? Let's start with uh, uh, Matthew. I think this scene is a really good example of the film kind of evoking the original because the original definitely had played a lot with shadows and the color blue and uh, evoking nighttime, but also just like dread and horror. And I think this film works at kind of recapturing that as it kind of hones in on it later on into the film. And I like it. It kind of and I know there's a direct reference to it uh, later in the movie, but it feels very German expressionist with uh, Nosferatu and Caligari and I like those kind of aspects I like how the film kind of plays with shadows and shapes nice it's very neat very cool yeah, I, I liked it I thought it was kind of like effective kind of tense scenes I really thought he was gonna like try and attack Heather but it could have been better I think if the kid was a better actor it could have been a way better scene sure they can't all be Jacob Tremblay am I right they can't all yeah. be <laughs> my issue is that when we spell out answer the phone she was already answering the phone. <laughs> the calls coming from inside like, the house. It's so much work. Some, Look, some prop person's like, why am I making these? Yeah. <laughs> The demons. It's the demons, Rich. Jeez. So, okay. Starts chanting, never sleep again. Mouth foaming. Mouth foaming. Freddy phone calls. Foaming. And the tongue phone. They go yeah. back to the tongue phone and then Dylan has a seizure. And this leads to the hospital where... Oh, oh I was just going to say, like, the biggest note I have on, about this whole hospital scene is why are the nurses and doctors such bitches in this film? That's just the American healthcare system. That's, they yeah. They really annoy the crap out of me. Yeah, they... This is, uh, dun, uh, this is America. Uh, this is, uh, <laughs> also very anti anyone who doesn't let kids watch horror films. I know. I love, okay. I don't know about y'all, but I love the casting of this doctor. I look, I looked mm -hmm. up her name, Fran Bennett. Talk about someone who freaking nails a character role. This doctor who hates horror and is just constantly appalled by Heather Langenkamp. I just think she's delightful in this role. Like, uh, yeah. The minute she serves a very specific purpose. Oh, she just assumes Heather's a horrible, abusive mother that, yeah. that's hurting her kid. But I love how it taps into the paranoia. Like, so years ago, my kid fell down the stairs with me when he was like, like a year old uh, and I was carrying him and we had to go to the hospital and these, you know, like they have like anything like that, like a cop comes in and is like, yeah. hello, how are you? know what I mean? How are you? Everything. And I loved how it tapped into that paranoia of how when your kid is a problem, you know, like yeah. has a problem, everyone starts to look at you. I just think it's really well done 
done most of this hospital scene, but I love this doctor who I have in my notes, fuck this doctor, but also like, she's just, she's just great. Yeah, I agree. I, I like, like the acting is effective. Like it, it had me feeling like emotions. Like I really fucking hate this doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then let's see if uh, either of you, did you recognize who the nurse was who brings in the sleeping aid initially? Yeah, it, I said it before. It was um, Lin Shay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's in addition to being like a great character actress also was the teacher in the first A Nightmare on Elm Street film. Yeah. Which I think is just kind of cool. I like how many actors they have in that. I love movies that let me say like, oh, I recognize that. So. And she's kind of become a bit of a horror icon herself from the Insidious franchise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. She had a, her whole career. I just think it's neat that that's, I think, why she's in that particular film. Yeah. 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 So, so then we go to meeting with Wes Craven so he can explain the literal plot of the movie to her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a real quick part where she loses it in her car. I just wrote, I've been there. Okay, but now we go to Wes, <laughs> now we go to Wes Craven's house and Wes Craven describes the project as, uh, I think of it as a nightmare in progress. This is the, the scene that I love. I love her at Wes Craven's house for some reason. I love how weird Wes Craven seems. Uh, he just seems like this kind of like cutesy nerd with a fucked up mind. Yeah. And I, I just think that I, I, I dig that. This is where we get a lot explained. A lot, a lot yeah. explained. And it's yeah, kind of weird. So wait, let's get our resident demon expert to help explain a little bit of what's going on. So what does Wes Craven explain to us, uh, Matt? Before I get fully into it, I'd like to point out the little statue guy, or rather a uh, woman on his desk. I'm pretty sure that's uh, from Metropolis. Oh, that's Again, neat. Another reference to German filmmaking. Very cool. What a fun little thing. Anyway, basically, Wes is like, so I've been having these dreams and I think they're coming true. And then yep. he, field, uh, he builds uh, a field made of dreams, uh, if I remember right. Uh, and there's baseball. There's baseball right? <laughs> so Freddy is actually a real world demon, is what it turns out. <laughs> and that Wes has conjured. And that Wes has somehow conjured and uh, the, the movies somehow contain him, right? It's and, very funny. Yeah. So they like, Wes is like this weird, like, wizard keeping him at bay <laughs> by making more nightmare movies. Wes has been saving us this whole time with these nightmare films. It's true. It's true. Rich. The parents oh, were good. wrong to stop their kids from watching them. They were. We need more of them because they keep these demons in check in this particular case. What do you think of the demon explanation, Rich? I think we should not give Wes too much credit as he is also <laughs> essentially functioning as the demon's PR agent. He is. Yeah. He is. Strange. Because <laughs> the whole like a uh, bit at the end where it's like so this was on purpose yeah it's like yeah, i feel like in the note at the end he should have said and by the way sorry about your husband again uh, yeah. real, again yes. real sorry it, about it your, husband. your husband had to die so i could make Look, this movie but art it was the trolley problem <laughs> it was those three people or everyone <laughs> It makes sense. It makes sense to me. So this leads to my favorite quote in the movie, which is she asks like how to stop him. And Wes Craven says, and I just, I could think about this line forever and how it fits in there. I think the only way to stop him is to make another movie. I don't know why, but I love that line. I think it's just so funny that it's like, the only well, way to do this is PR. To make another movie, it's to have her. Well, yeah, yeah, but that's his exact line though. I think the only way to stop him is to make another movie. Yeah, it's to have her in yeah. it because she's this uh, gatekeeper 
Heather because, oh, this is what it is. Because even though Nancy is really who stopped him, Heather Langenkamp is who gave Nancy her strength. Yeah, it's really interesting because you can imagine it. this was like a similar conversation that like Blumhouse and David Gordon Green had with like Jamie Lee Curtis and what the people who made Chainsaw Massacre from 2022 wish they had with Marilyn Burns. It's like this. <laughs> this is like we don't need a nightmare requel because they literally already did it. Yeah. And it was this is the best approach that you really could do with it. The yeah. good news is if you're hung up on any of this stuff, the next scene is a recap montage once again explaining everything to you. I have in my notes because I zoned out because this part bored me for some reason I just have something written in my notes yeah. uh, and then the next thing I have is it's that everything in blue and like without audio yeah I it's not that I hated it it's just a part that I zoned out it's where yeah. I would have gone to the bathroom uh, Heather finds out effects guys are dead and Freddy's glove is gone that's uh, yeah. What I, yeah what I have next I didn't see the relevance of that part like I don't know why they had to bring it up I think it's just to say like no those people that did really die real, yeah. that, that, that first scene was real yeah but i mean it, it's just to give a little gravity to the first scene but i think you're right that you didn't really need to do that anyway you kind of had to remember who those people were it, it doesn't bother me that much but it doesn't do a lot for it i think that's i think that's fair and then i have yada 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 freddie says miss me and shows up and taunts her do we do we uh get that and they fight a little bit and then as she gets out of the thing they get a call about dylan and then she has to go back to the hospital any general thoughts from anyone on that like initial fight i tend to think the thing that they do the worst in the Freddy franchise is have Freddy fight people because how do you fight like a yeah. dream demon or it should be like way more off the rails than it is like dream warriors got to a spot that fighting Freddy was interesting but yeah. you need something out there like that yeah do you think that Wes Craven secretly just resents part three for being just so fucking good could be <laughs> but like think of it this way like if Heather is going to fight Freddy and instead of like just poking him with a knife or something Mm -hmm. She points her hand out and it's like bees. <laughs> <laughs> That would be better. Yeah. That would be better. Um, thoughts on that, Matt or Jack? Um, I don't really have any. Um, That's fair. Anything, Matt? I think it's a fun little scene because this is, I think this is the scene where it's like earthquake, but only she experienced it. So, you know, it's it's the whole, like, it's part of the reason why I love uh, the first Candyman so much is because of the whole psychological aspect of this character don't know what the fuck's going on. Exactly. Anything could happen. Uh, and then we get and a I slime. Like, I like that the earthquake kind of feels like primarily, the only reason the earthquake happened was to knock over the coffee pot like that was a direct <laughs> attack against that coffee maker. well and to get that cut on her right or like uh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. well just the the tumble of the whole sure thing. because we get to the hospital and that earthquake you know like uh she's she's getting her her thing patched up and she's telling the doctor about the earthquake and the doctor just gives her this like you're crazy look and says guess we lucked out on that or guess we lucked out over here <laughs> saying that they didn't get it but that that, that doctor is not buying anything heather yeah yeah she's <laughs> like no you're an abusive mother but she's selling the role it is yeah she is selling the role oh, definitely like she probably thinks heather like cut her own wrists or something yeah yeah she's scared for is that, is that where we get the line everyone knows who freddy is he's like santa claus or king kong wait is that where oh, we yeah. get that line no 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 no, no. it's just in a second it's just in a second i think that it All happens right, then we need to pick up the pace okay so dylan says i'm almost there then he projectile vomits all over 
over her. Yeah. yeah. And she wakes up and freaks out because he isn't there because that, that part where he vomits on her isn't real. So yeah. So we, we get to this part. I love the, this is a part where Rich can confirm. I was just out loud laughing at this particular part. I don't think Miko does a very good job acting in this particular part, but it is humorously kind of almost like charmingly bad to me, his acting in this particular role. Any thoughts on the projectile vomiting, the waking up, all that stuff? I agree with you. Like, I thought, like, I was kind of laughing at how, like, bad I thought the acting was, like, and I didn't expect the vomit. I forgot about that, and I, yeah. thought, and I was like, ooh, gross. Oh, yeah, it's a real thing. What about you, Matt? If there's any consistent weak point in this movie, it, it is definitely uh, the child <laughs> yeah, actor, yeah, yeah. Un- unfortunately. Unfortunately. Again, I was just like, wow, this kid is just really creepy throughout most of this film. <laughs> Why are we trying to help him? Well, yeah, fair enough. Leave this kid for dead, am I right? I'm just kidding. Like, give him an egg. Or am I nurse? So the I love this part. Uh, there's this weird nurse who shows up in a couple scenes in a row, but she says Nancy is trying to go find her son, and the nurse says you need a pass, and Nancy says screw your pass, which is a reference to the first film. Yeah, just letting right. just letting all the nerds know that we noticed that because we're I'm at least a nerd uh, in in regards to this. So she wants to take Dylan, but she can't, and so she's about to go to get uh, Rex but she tells Julie to keep him awake. And Julie's like, your hair is gray. And Julie's like, your hair is gray, but that leads to like basically Julie becoming officially a ride or die babysitter, which I didn't know existed. But Julie's like, okay, I'm going to take your advice and do this weird thing to your kid. I'm I'm not letting him sleep. Not letting him sleep. No I'm sleep till Brooklyn. The doctor's advice, and I'm keeping him away. This his mother's bride. This is where the film starts to go unhinged a little bit because the nurses do the little tricky poo and like <laughs> inject a child wow, against. Yeah. Those nurses are such bitches. I bet they were like bullies in high school. <laughs> the uh, it's a it's like a whole different like environment. The nurses assault a child, but and Julie then, has a response to that. Julie it's a goes. KO. Julie goes postal on them. She knocks out. Oh God, it's great. Punched her in the face. That was hilarious. Yes, that was a great scene. Any thoughts on this, Matt? It is very funny when she punches the old nurse lady, and the other one is just very shocked, and she's, she's got the needle. She does a yeah, great I, job I with that small role. Such yeah. a weird needle standoff. Like they had a weird like needle standoff. I got juice in mine. Yeah, the, I don't know what's in this. It really makes that scene. So this leads to the reveal that Rich hates of Freddie because. Uh, uh, Miko starts it's when he's fallen asleep and yeah. green hat Freddy is <laughs> some hot topic nonsense <laughs> it ah you're getting in my head on this uh visual because it it never used to bother me but the more you talk about it the more i'm like it does kind of look like a hot topic the thing is nobody needed like classic freddy would have worked just as well in that scene he's a demon though he's not the original freddy a a demon in a fashion sense he's (laughs) demons we don't know how long this demon has been stuck approximately since 1982 yes 84 i mean this is film class right those leather pants pre the the first nightmare (laughs) so we get to julie's death and it's kind of cool 
It's it's kind of exactly like the death from the first one. Sure, it is. But like, I mean, I yeah, like it. It's good. Yeah. I like it, it because we see Freddy actually do it. It's also probably like the goriest, like one of the goriest moments of this movie. Yeah. You, yeah. You I could was, cut like 45 bigger? seconds from this film and make it PG-13 probably. Yeah, um, yeah I do really say like sick that, fuck yeah. like three times. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'd have to, you know. He's a sick fellow. <laughs> so we get to Julie's death. Any other thoughts on that? Because we want to make sure we have time to discuss this finale and get into our other questions okay yeah, i mean basically i just liked it it was a really one of the better like fun gory deaths in the movie let's, it's a classic and he does it well and it looks good let's get to the green screen work that would establish the ground for uh, the the lord of the rings movies to come after okay so she can't find dylan and she's chasing after him and rich and i this is if you ever want to know our fundamental difference in approach to films part of it can be viewed through this scene because this scene where he's running across the highway rich just hates that like the look of that and i just laugh my ass off and love this scene because there is some bad green screen here he's getting pulled across there i want to know where where you well rich i'll let you stake your case here i mean it's it's old-fashioned matte pra- painting by the frame things are kind of disappearing and going through other things you have the army of freddies for some reason at the fence there's just a lot of elements and all of them look bad it was so much money to get this. <laughs> Titanic was one year later. One year later. Look at the yeah. special effects in that. Uh, uh, but wasn't I, Jurassic I Park it. before this? Oh yeah, Jurassic Park was before this. You could do. I, I don't know. I. Uh, what did you think, Matt? I bet you like this scene. I like it. Yeah. I like it. I, I think Final Destination 2 ripped off uh, that jackknifing truck, even though they do nothing with it. Yeah. <laughs> what were your thoughts, I, Jack? I thought it looked cool watching like the big Freddy in the background. Mm-hmm. The only like weird thing for me was like, why were none of the cars stopping? Like there's a little kid walking in the middle of the road and the cars are just like flying yeah. past him and no one's you'd wondering of, why he's walking on the road. You'd think eventually a, a traffic jam would happen or there would be a, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So let's see. John takes Heather. So they get home and John Saxon takes Heather outside to talk to her after this might be my favorite scene. Okay. Well, this is we, we start to see this transition, right? So she, Mm -hmm. he starts to call her Heather. She says, she calls calls him daddy event. Huh? He calls her Nancy. Oh, sorry. Calls her Nancy. She calls him daddy. Like, uh, they start to have this transition and like things start to blur. It's like the twin peaks moment. And, uh, (laughs) In, in the film what's weird is I that that happens before she starts taking the like the path of pills oh, yeah, it would have yeah. made way more sense after she got a couple of those pills in interesting yeah yeah i guess you're true what were you gonna say matt you like the scene a lot i i love this scene so much it's just the combination of like freddie like appearing in the real world and like the, the the heather's realization of am i in a goddamn movie right goddamn when i'm in a movie and I just love like her delivery on the line where I think she says like I love you too daddy or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's just like she 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 takes on this role of I have to be Nancy again this is when she like puts on the, the cape or whatever she puts on the hood or whatever of I have to be this role for my son in order to save his life and now I watch I think it's really cool absolutely I watched this film twice today and I think I'm right is when he leaves the first time you hear the original Freddie song play or is is it played multiple times throughout like both times i think it's the 
first time. I think it's the first time because he leaves in that original variation. Yeah, the original. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the he leaves and you hear this like original theme song and you're like, oh shit, final act. Like I, I, or you know, final showdown. And that's what it is. She goes in the car. I, I don't tend to write a ton for the final show. You know what I mean for the final showdown part. But like, there's a lot of walking. Uh, well, I mean, we, we, the we have yeah, the breadcrumb yeah. trail of pills. Yes. Uh, we have uh, Rex I'm, is dead. I'm not an expert, but I think she had way too many pills. I was worried she was going to overdose. Yeah. It's They're a lot of pills. pills. They're yeah, just dream pills. So she takes the pills. Uh, we, we have the fall through the Freddy Mouth uh, waterfall, and there's a pterodactyl for some reason. Now, that part I love. I actually love when she decides, like, I'm going to go into his world and use his, you know, like, and she goes to the foot of the bed. I think that's a whole cool effect. But then the next thing yeah. I have is yada, yada, yada. Freddy finally says the word bitch and then he gets an eel stuck in his eye that's what i have next in there were there other things that people wanted to point out before we talk about him getting the eel out of his eye and moving uh, forward a little bit i just yeah go for it again it's, it's to mention i just love this scene so much i literally just think that's my favorite scene it's just, i love the cut where she realizes oh shit i'm in nancy clothes oh yeah and she like pats herself <laughs> she's like oh shit yeah God damn it it's a really fun transition i like how you know, like i like movies where you start to have these weird kind of like transitional realities it's fun so, so you it. mean it's, if a character has an iconic wardrobe you should put them in that instead of just trying to reinvent the wheel yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, this like is why I hate Rich <laughs> it's uh, to, to bring a, a recent point I recently uh, like yesterday I watched Maya Darren movies I had seen Meshes of the Afternoon but like I watched like all of them okay much. and it's and it's so similar because the Maya Darren very much plays with reality and time in terms of like characters jumping like in between space and in between time between like the edits and the frames and it's just a similar idea and I think that's very cool absolutely so we get to we get to the end of Hansel and Gretel we get to the end of Hansel and Gretel Freddy taunts the child then he chases him into a furnace and we have that kind of this is where it almost feels like a children's movie again like he's kind of like reaching in in such a clownish manner and like there's just all this weird stuff going on giant head the, the the eating like that was you know, that was some cool effects work but yeah it, it feels like it feels like the end of who framed roger rabbit when the shit hits the fan well and that was my point is we talked about how i don't really think of this film as that's i think it's one of the less scary films in terms of just like well weirdly see having seen this as a kid you know i'm a mm-hmm. little bit younger than you yeah, so yeah. i was a kid when this came out it was terrifying as a kid and watching it as an adult all the humor lands and it's a lot more campy and and fun yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But watching this as a kid, it's just straight up horrifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that for sure. So kind of like Hansel and Gretel, I, I put in quotes, it's not, like poetry, it rhymes. It literally is. <laughs> yeah, it is well, literally. Kind of, yeah, yeah. It literally is. It's like poetry, it rhymes to quote, uh, I don't know, some Star Wars guy. Yeah. Uh, but so not Star Trek. No, the here I here I did here I went to Star Wars. Um, so f- then uh, because he's in there in the heat, Freddy the demon, he turns more and more demonic and then explodes. He becomes one of those little like squeezy stress ball men and then he explodes. He does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I it looks campy. It looks funny. I don't know. Yeah. It, it's it's 
I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. We then pull back. You know, we're we're in the real world again. Heather starts reading the script to to Dylan after reading Wes's "Thank You for Being Nancy" one more time message, and then we have a song that has some straight up Seinfeld bass. Yeah, go back. I Rich was like, "Wait, do you hear this song? It sounds like a Seinfeld like song." And I was like, "Okay, whatever." And then I heard it, and I was like, "Yep, you're right." So yeah, listen to that in the final song. Go back. It's worth it. Yeah. Go back. So that's that's the movie, guys. What do we what do we think? So we're gonna ask a couple questions here at the end. Or oh, actually, no, I forgot to find out real quick. Any thoughts on this conclusion? Um, I, I mean, I liked it. I thought it was pretty fun. I think it could have been cut down a little bit. I True. felt like it dragged a little bit sometimes. Well, uh, what about you, Matt? Any thoughts on the conclusion to the film? I enjoy I enjoy any kind of movie that's kind of like leaning into like fairy tale aspects because you know those are like our oldest form of story and we sure. kind of tell those to children and oh, absolutely. Well, there's a whole argument how how many like kids today are getting fairy tales you know that's true that's, it's well they're just getting like cool fantasy stories in general they're getting yeah. they're I getting mean, frozen yeah they're, they're <laughs> learning about friendship rather than how to fight witches well yeah, it, and you need to know how to fight witches i did my part my child was watching uh horror from about age nine so I, those are those are forms of fairy tales yes absolutely absolutely so uh, i think i think it's cool Let's i know all the rules of horror so yeah I'm, i should be good if i go to the woods <laughs> you live in australia man you're not good anywhere like there's poison yeah. every <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's true there's like deadly animals no matter where we go well let's get into this we're gonna ask uh what you would do to improve this film instead of asking favorite kill because there's so few kills i'm gonna go favorite kill or special effects moment you know what i mean or like moment in the film how does that sound yeah. fair rich and then we'll do best out of 10 so let's actually start with what you would do to improve this film let's go ahead i'll, I'll actually start on this one sure. for me i think it just needs a slightly tighter edit i i don't even know if i would cut any scenes completely i just think it needs to be tightened up here or there probably about five to eight minutes cut from it but as we'll see when we get to the ratings i think there are four really super great Nightmare on Elm Street films. <laughs> so I, this is a minor complaint for me. I really liked it. Uh, what about you, Matt? If you could do anything uh, to improve this, what would you do? I, I mean, I don't hate uh, Nico Hughes. I don't hate him. I've seen I've seen worse child actor performances, mm -hmm. but I'm not fully on board 100% with saying like, oh, he's a bad actor because I, I do think I do think Wes Craven is a very good director of actors. Mm -hmm. Like I'm more willing to say that there's an aspect to his performance that I'm not seeing rather than fully outright blaming uh, Craven just could not get that kid to fucking act to save his life. Sure. So I, I'm more of the, I'm more optimistic in that kind of sense, but I do think just give him like another seven takes <laughs> and then yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Absolutely. What about you, Jack? What would you do to fix this film if you could do anything? I think besides like maybe recasting the kid, not that I felt like he was super horrible but you know maybe like another actor could have done a more interesting job but for me mainly I think it would have just been to scale it down a little bit maybe cut out some unnecessary scenes just to have like the 
the tie the pacing a little bit tied up absolutely what about you rich cut 14 minutes and hire a different wardrobe coordinator <laughs> it's just for freddie though yeah. right because everyone else looked freaking yeah. great all right uh fair enough let's actually rich we're gonna go right back to you what's your favorite uh special effect and or kill i actually really like the the para kills right off the beginning like okay. the robot hand it's a cool effect you have it walking down the table taking out the the two effects people for some reason in my memory this portion of the film where it was on set and it was the robot hand killing people mm-hmm. took up way more of my memory of this film than what actually happened okay. and I, I think that that's just because it looks cool it's it's gory it's it's unique okay that i think is gonna be it i think that's fair what about you jack do you have a favorite kill or special effect or anything in here no 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 i agree um with the beginning my favorite kill definitely is just watching the hand go crazy and just start attacking everyone in the beginning i thought that was really cool and a fun way to kind of start the film excellent excellent matthew uh i'm gonna go with a special effect i really like the face widening that freddie does when he's like trying to eat fucking yeah, kid it's, it's, oh, yeah. it's cool stuff because i think it i don't think it's like an exact one form but it looks similar to the witch's face in the hansel and gretel book and i think you know that's that's part of it evoking that directly and i just think it's a fun little effect and it reminds me of army of darkness oh good call i i um i'll be different i actually have the same answer as one of you but i'll be different and say julie because it's my second favorite moment it's also a good kill um it's an homage it's a clear homage it's it's almost just a copy but it's freaking great i mean when you're copying (laughs) yourself when you're copying yourself you can do it yeah but he he does it well and it's great well let's get Mm. to the final thing where we do our rating out of 10 and i'll go first on this one um and so we do it out of 10 bright shiny razor fingers and so i'm actually going to go first and you can come up with like a half score or some other like point decimal score if you come up with some creative way to to reference it in in the film so i'm gonna go eight razor fingers and three Three mechanical thumbs uh, and the mechanical thumbs are each worth 0.25 I'm gonna eat 0.75 on this film I actually really love it I wish it was a little shorter but I have nothing specific I hate about it I think it's a great great film let's go with you next Matt what would you give it out of eight or out of ten well out of eight <laughs> I would probably give it a, a ten what is it uh, what is it think what are the, what is the fingers again uh, razor fingers <laughs> razor I knew that I did not forget I have bad memories sometimes. Uh, <laughs> ten razor fingers. I like this a lot. Oh, nice! Um, Absolutely. Wow. I do. Excellent. Excellent. What about you, Jack? Um, I think I would give it seven razor fingers out of ten. Okay. I mean, I think I've definitely grown more of a love for this film. I enjoy it. I'm just not like a big fan of the whole meta plot. Okay. Really. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And what about you, Rich? We're going to close with you today. I'm going to go six razor razor fingers and five letters that are burnt out <laughs> or a 6.5 nice. I'll take it I'll take it in that case so that is our show for today thank you Matt thank you Jack thank yeah, thanks, you guys. Rich thanks thank you to me, me. Uh, thank you yes thank, thank you uh, until next time uh, try not to get very much sleep right yeah. and watch some more horror films unpleasant dreams all right good night everyone have a good night